there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited if you take a time out of your day to be part of our podcast, to download it, listen to it, and we're happy and excited that we are part of your life as well. We hope and pray that this podcast will help you grow closer to Christ, have a better understanding of who He is and His Word, and that He would be glorified. We are going to try and answer a question today. And probably try to take up uh, most of the podcast. It uh, comes out of Jonesboro, Arkansas. And basically the question was, does Jesus really give credibility to the Old Testament? Because if we're a New Testament church, why do we need to worry about the Old Testament? And that kind of sums up the long email. But we're going to try to answer that question today on the podcast. Before we begin, I hope you have a Bible that you will follow along. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today, so if you have a pen and paper and you want to make notes, I would encourage you to do so as well. While you're gathering those things together, you have a top opportunity as well to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, and there you can find links to our uh, social media accounts. You can contact us through our webpage uh, and ask your questions. Or you can email us at biblicalquestion, all lower, all one word, at gino.com. Okay, I know we haven't given that email address out a lot, but uh, perhaps we should do that more. Uh, people do go to the webpage. We get quite a few hits. If you have prayer request, um, we'd love to put it on our prayer request page. If you're a prayer warrior, please go there and, and, and write those names down. I, I realize it. That doesn't change uh, dramatically from week to week, but th those folks are taking the time out of their, their day to ask for prayer. And a couple of them are in third world countries where they actually had to walk somewhere to an internet cafe, pay somebody to let them use their internet to send that message. So I, let's try to pray for our, our brothers and sisters around the world who have done that. Again, so we're going to talk about Jesus gives credibility to the Old Testament today. And we're going to examine uh, the four gospel accounts for all the information that we can uh, answer this question with. And Jesus' view can be simply stated in basically two uh, words. Total trust. You see, because Jesus accepted the Old Testament scriptures as being divine and authoritative, he never cast any doubt uh, on the Old Testament at all. Jesus, as you read through the gospel accounts, he assumes that the people were actually really people. Those events that are recorded actually took place. We never find him anywhere giving anything of a hint that the Old Testament was nothing but the Word of God, because it is the Word of God. He accepted it as such. And, and preached it. And, you know, just a side note here, Jesus actually lived under the Old Testament law. Uh, the New Testament law really does not come into effect till the day of Pentecost, which can be found in Acts chapter 2. So, anyway, we're going to look, first off, the first point here is we're, we're going to look at the people were actually people. Uh, the first thing that we find uh, Jesus confirming about the Old Testament is the simple fact that the people mentioned uh, in its pages truly did exist. That they were not some myth 
uh, or just some character or made-up story. And I know a lot of people who believe these are made-up stories, but Jesus never, ever alludes to that. And, you know, in a conversation I had some time ago uh, with a, a denominational pastor, he said it doesn't matter if people believe it's a story or not. Well, actually it does. If Jesus said they're real, then they're real, and we need to accept that. The first one uh, would be Abraham. In uh, John chapter 8, verse 56, uh, John verse 8, verse 56 says this, Jesus, uh, he confirmed the existence of Abraham when he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So, a Jesus talks of Abraham actually still being a living person somewhere. His soul is somewhere, and he rejoiced when Jesus came to this earth, that the Messiah had arrived on the globe. Isaac and Jacob, uh, very famous uh, people of the Old Testament as well. And then over here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, uh, the patriarchs, Isaac and Japheth, Jacob, excuse me, were real people according to Jesus. And, and, and here's the quote. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So there you go. Uh, Jesus says these three people uh, are very much alive. They're in the kingdom of God. They're in heaven. And they are real people. The next one would be uh, David, uh, King David. Uh, David was uh, the first rightful king of Israel with a historical character. Right? Yes, I know that you know, there was Saul and then uh, David. But, uh, Saul kind of fell away and uh, really broke a lot of laws, and God got really upset with him. And that's why he would choose David as a young boy, really, uh, to become the next king. So here he is, Jesus, he, he answers a question in Matthew chapter 12, verse 3. Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Okay, here David ate some bread, that, some showbread, that really probably was off limits, but they were hungry and they ate it. And so Jesus gives credibility that that event actually took place and the events around it had to take place are also true and that King David was a real person. And it, even to this day if you if you have a Jewish friend the odds are extremely high David is still very highly looked upon uh, as being one of the best kings Israel ever had. And the next person would be uh, Solomon. Again still in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 29. This is, it would be the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been uh, preaching, probably one of the longest sermons recorded of Jesus preaching. That Solomon himself, the great king, was a historical person. Uh, the Old Testament said he was very wealthy. He had so much gold and silver laying around in the kingdom of Israel that it was almost worthless, we might say, uh, worth pennies. Uh, compared to what uh, gold and silver is worth today. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 29, he said, Jesus says, Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. And so here is Jesus giving 
uh, credit to, to Solomon. He actually was alive. And that there was a time in history uh, that is correctly recorded as a historical person in events around King Solomon. Solomon's noted to be the smartest man who ever lived, one of the wisest men uh, of the Bible. And also here is in the same time frame in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, in, in the same time frame as Solomon, we have uh, the Queen of Sheba. And, and according to Jesus, uh, the Queen of Sheba actually came to visit Solomon. The queen of the south shall rise up against this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Of course, he's referring to himself in the last part of that verse. But he, uh, he's given credibility again uh, to Solomon and Queen Sheba and that their meeting was an actual true event and in the day of Solomon in Jerusalem. And then we have uh, a couple more here I, I want to use. Uh, Elisha. Elisha was a genuine prophet, according to Jesus. Matthew chapter 17, verse 11. Uh, here, when asked about Elijah and his returning uh, to the earth, Jesus, he, he clearly responds that he was returning. And he answered and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. That's Matthew chapter 17, verse 11. Elisha. Now, Jesus also will confirm the story of Elisha, uh, the prophet in Luke chapter 4, and the prophet in Nahum and the leper. And, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Nahum of Syria. And so, uh, that's a unique story to go back and read. Uh, that event and what took place about dipping himself in this old mighty dirty uh, Jordan River. The water was cleaner at home, uh, but this man he does have leprosy and he does what the prophet of God says and he is cured. So Jesus gives credibility to that event as well as Elisha the prophet. And, and then the last one here, uh, Zechariah. Again in Luke chapter 11. Jesus acknowledges him as, as a prophet. And it says, From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar of the house of God, yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Again, Jesus is given credit to things of the past, that Zechariah really was a prophet, and that these people were killed and perished doing really God's work. People don't like to hear the truth of the message, not even today. They, they'll call you uh, uh, extremist, racist, whatever. They'll have all kinds of names when the fact is uh, you're probably none of those things. You're just sitting on facts presented by God in the Bible. Okay, so let's look at number two here. I have several points. Uh, number two, the stories were factual as well. Jesus uh, as we look through these these events, I have about uh oh half a dozen or so, and the first one is in John chapter seven. And Jesus again, he will treat the Old Testament that he assumed that these stories to be factual. He he acts like they're factual. He talks like they're factual, and they really did happen. 
He doesn't throw any shadow or question mark on it. So God uh, gave a circumcision. In John chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus stated that it was God who gave the people the right of circumcision through Moses. On this account, Moses has given you circumcision, not because from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. Okay, there's a lot going on here in this in John chapter 7, but here is Jesus again. He gives credibility to circumcision that it came from God and that Moses um, is an actual person again. And this is when circumcision actually starts to take place here. Actually, Abraham would do it uh, clear back in the book of Genesis. But uh, through the transformation of being slaves and going through the wilderness for 40 years, they uh, they kind of quit circumcising till the end, and, and God will uh, tell Moses they need to do that. Of course, they will. And then, again, along the same line here about Moses, the manna in the wilderness. Okay, we're still in John. Let's flip back a page or two to John chapter 6, verse 31. The Lord Jesus, he confirms the provisions of manna that were given to the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness. And, and here's the verse. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Okay, so here we go again. Jesus gave credibility to Moses, uh, to the Israelites who fled Egypt and now are wandering in the desert and they're hungry and God feeds them this manna. So there's several things here that are going on, but Jesus confirms these are actual uh, things. Okay, and here's David. We talked about this uh, just a moment ago, but I want to maybe expand just a little bit. David, well, he's going to eat the bread uh, at presentation. And so flip over uh, back to Ma Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is going to acknowledge again the story and his men, his army, uh, eating this bread. But he, here he is. Jesus said to them, Have you not read? Boy, I tell you what, I, I want to say that so much today to people at church. Have you not read? Anyway, have you not read what David did when he became hungry and his companions and how they entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread? which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priest alone. Okay, again, uh, Jesus gave him credibility that Jesus, uh, excuse me, that David was a real-life person, uh, that this story and this event uh, of him eating the bread uh, is actually true. David wasn't supposed to, but he did it anyway. And so that's what uh, Jesus is trying to say. This really did take place. And then we have David, who's also the writer of, of certain psalms. The psalms, beautiful, beautiful text. And, and we're in Matthew uh, chapter 22, verse 43. Jesus will teach that King David was the writer of certain psalms. He says to them, Then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying? Okay, now I only pick part of the verse, but... That's why I want you to have a Bible, make, take some notes, go back and read that, that section. That David did write the book of Psalms, or the majority of them. He also 
says here that Moses, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, same book here, back just a couple chapters, Matthew chapter 8, verse 4, according to Jesus, the, the law was indeed given by Moses. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. Okay, so this man, he's been cured, and uh, I believe it was leprosy. And Jesus tells him, go and do what it's required by the law. And by doing that, Jesus uh, confirms that the law was given uh, through Moses, that Moses wrote it down, and that there were events and things that when happening in your life that you're supposed to go to the temple and make certain offerings or sacrifices. So Jesus also here in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 12, he's going to talk about the suffering uh, of the prophets. And he's going to give his example how his disciples will suffer uh, and, and use this, the facts that the that prophets also suffered in the past. Jesus says here, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who persecuted you before you. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. So Jesus gives credit. The, the prophets did leave. They were persecuted. Uh, and they had a hard time. And so will we today, really. I mean, if you are not being persecuted in some way or fashion that you're, uh, as a Christian, perhaps you're not displaying your faith or talking about it as much as you should. Um, I, I know there's always struggles with, with that at work, or school, uh, in the grocery store, or whatever. We're, we're being told more and more that we can we can have our so-called Christian faith, but the world and the community doesn't want to see it or hear it, and so they want you to basically go away. But here's another story that in Luke chapter 17. Verse 32, Jesus is going to give an example of not looking back. Uh, and he's going to use uh, Lot's wife of uh, turning in into a pillar, uh, a salt. And basically all Jesus says is, remember Lot's wife. And that's Luke 17, 32. Again, giving credibility to the story and the event and the people around that. Uh, as they would leave Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were told not to look back. And Lot's wife does. She she will miss the city and her friends or whatever. And uh, for whatever reason, she turns back. But Lot and his daughters do not. They keep moving forward. Jesus also believed that, again, we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, that they were actual cities. They were judged by God for uh, their horrible sin, homosexuality, and many other things, idolatry. And here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 15, saying, Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Okay? And he's talking about a city that did not believe he, that he was the Messiah, that he's the Christ, because of the miracles he was performing. Uh, they claimed that that was the work of the devil. And Jesus says, basically, shame on you. Uh, you're, you're, you're going to ask for trouble down the road. Jesus also here in Matthew chapter 11, just a chapter over, verses 21 and 22, will confirm the account of Tyre and, and, and Sodom as two cities that were judged in the Old Testament. Woe to you, woe to you Bathsheba. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sodom, 
which occurred in you, they have repented a long time ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than a day of judgment for you. Okay, again, he's talking about two cities in his day and time that saw the miracles firsthand and denied it. Said, there's no way that you're God. There's no way you're the Son of God. And basically, Jesus says, uh, shame on you. Okay, so, again, Jesus confirms here, the third point I want to make here, is that Jesus confirms some of the most controversial uh, stories of the Old Testament. Because, again, there's many people, and I, I know, uh, like I said, a pastor in the denominational world, he, he doesn't believe they're actual events, and he doesn't care if you believe it or not. It, it, there's the stories to help us understand God. Well, the events are to help us understand God. Uh, there's half a truth is still a lie, because there's still a lie in it. The truth of the matter is, Jesus says, all these things actually took place, these people are real, and that you can trust what the Old Testament really is the Word of God. So anyway, the third point here that we're going to talk about is uh, in Matthew chapter 19, if you want to turn there. Jesus really puts a stamp of approval on Adam and Eve. Okay? So, Jesus believes in the Genesis account of creation. Of course, the New Testament, John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, they both say that Jesus is God and that he is the creator of all things. And so, uh, here's Jesus. He answers and says, Have you not read, uh-oh, I mean, there's those words again, Have you not read, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, that's Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. So, he used Adam and Eve as an example of God's purpose in marriage. He gives, yes, Adam and Eve were created from the very beginning, at the very beginning of life. Here's Adam and Eve. Okay, so Jesus goes way back in time to say, Yes, Genesis chapter 1 is correct. And then over in Luke chapter 11, verse 51, Jesus is going to talk about the account in, the, in Cain killing Abel. It is re, I know it's rejected again in many circles today, but Jesus believed that it actually occurred. He said so. So, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the house of God, yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Okay, I know I've used that verse several times in the podcast, but it still brings out the point that Abel, clear back uh, in the first couple chapters of Genesis, uh, actual real people, actual events really happened, all the way to Zechariah, which is toward the end of the Old Testament. So Jesus is saying from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the Old Testament, as we know it, are actual events, actual people, uh, and that you can trust that it's written down there is how it really happened. Okay, here we go. Boy, here, Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. Jesus is going to give uh, the flood of the days of Noah. He's going to talk about that. And Jesus and assume that there will be uh, a flood of the past, or excuse me, there was a flood of the past, 
For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Uh-oh. Well, Noah's a real live guy now. For as in those days which were before the flood, uh-oh, there's the flood, they were eating and drinking and they were marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Uh-oh, there's that big boat. Uh, they got all the animals in it and the people, his family, go in it. Why do they need to go in there? Because the earth is going to have a flood. Here, let's finish this out. And they said... Uh, they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. So it shall be with the Son of Man. Okay, there's a lot of people talking today. Oh, well, I mean, Jesus could come any day. Well, that's true. And if you read the entire New Testament, you will get the clear understanding very quickly. They thought Jesus would return uh, in his in their day. And so nobody knows, but it is a fact. Jesus says, I'm coming back. And that will be the day of judgment. And nobody's going to know. It's going to be too late. Uh, when the water came up in the ark and then the people uh, tried to get in and uh, nobody opened the door, they all drowned. It was too late. They had an opportunity uh, to get in the ark when it was open and they did not. They mocked and laughed at Noah. If you go back and read that account, um, Peter, if you read his epistles, will refer to Noah as well and say Noah was a gospel preacher. He tried to preach repentance and, and uh, salvation was through God and, and getting in in that ark. So, again, Jesus will also, again, compare the circumstances around Noah's flood as similar to those of his second coming. Nobody knows when that door is going to close and when that rain is going to pour. Nobody knows. Okay? So, and here, uh, again, Jonah. Uh, and, the, and the great sea creature. I know a lot of people think it's a big whale. Maybe it was. I don't know. But Jesus said that the story of Jonah actually literally occurred. In fact, he will use Jonah as a sign of his resurrection. So let's read that real quick. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 39, and we're going to end at verse 41. Again, Matthew 12, 39 through 41. But he, that's Jesus, answered them and said, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was there three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh shall stand up against this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something is greater than Jonah is here. Okay, so Jesus, again, he confirms all these disputes around the Old Testament actually occurring. Furthermore, Jesus used certain uh, stories of them to illustrate some of the most important events of his own ministry, including his resurrection and his second coming. And since he demonstrated himself to be God's son, his testimony settles the matter. Uh, these stories did really occur so the, the last well I got two more points and I know we're running a little longer than normal I certainly hope that you're enjoying this um, the fourth point is uh, Jesus confirmed the authorship of, of disputed books okay there are some people today even in the Christian world that do not believe that certain books were written uh, at all they were not inspired or whatever so 
But Jesus is going to confirm the traditional authorship of Old Testament books. Particularly, though, Daniel and Isaiah. And so, uh, Matthew 24, verse 15, uh, the, the, the authorship of Daniel, is, again, is often rejected. And Jesus believed that he was a true prophet, and therefore you shall see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in a holy place. Let the reader understand this, okay? So, again, here's Jesus giving credit. Isaiah, Jesus will talk about, again, Isaiah being written by two different authors, you know, the first 39 verses, uh, chapters, excuse me, and then, of course, the rest of the book by a uh, second Isaiah. But Jesus and the New Testament writers, however, they quote both parts of Isaiah as an entire work of the same writer, and that would be Isaiah. So in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, here's Jesus, it was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. And, and this is a quote out of Isaiah 53, verse 4. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah is handed to Jesus. At the beginning of his ministry, he, he's unrolling it, and he, and he finds the place where it is written. And here in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 17 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, that's Luke 4, verses 17 through 19. Okay, so again, we have the beginning of Isaiah being used and the ending of Isaiah being used. And Jesus uh, says, there is no such thing as a second uh, Isaiah, there's only one Isaiah, and he quotes uh, Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2 in this section that we just talked about. And so, Jesus also, he's going to quote Isaiah a lot. And so, Jesus will clearly spell out that Isaiah wrote. Here we go. John chapter 12, verse 38. That it was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet that he spoke, Lord who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's John chapter 12, verse 38. And this is actually uh, a citation from Isaiah 53, verse 1. He then proceeds to cite the first section of Isaiah in, in John chapter 12. For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes, deadened their hearts, so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts. No turn, and I would heal them. You know, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. And, and that's in John chapter 12, uh, verses 39 through 41. So from verse 38 to 41, Jesus uses the first part of Isaiah and the last part of Isaiah. Okay, and so Jesus spoke a, a prophecy also being fulfilled. This is the last point I, I really want to make, and then we'll wrap up. Jesus spoke a prophecy being fulfilled. In Luke chapter 4, verse 21, we read this earlier, but 
Jesus said that certain predictions recorded in the Old Testament were fulfilled in the life of his ministry. And he begins to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's Luke chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus would say the coming of John the Baptist was a result of fulfilled prophecy. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 10. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Okay? Again, Jesus is saying that Elisha had come in person, you know, and so had John the Baptist. And Jesus says to them in here, Mark chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, Elisha does come first and restore all things, and yet how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things? and be treated with contempt. But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wished, just as is it written of him. Okay, Mark chapter 9, 12 and 13. Here is Jesus giving credibility again to Elisha, and that prophecy was being fulfilled that Elisha wrote down, and that prophecy was being fulfilled or coming uh, in, into existence through Christ himself. So, Jesus spoke of a future destruction of a temple in Jerusalem as a prophecy to be fulfilled in Luke 21, verse 22, because of these days of vengeance in order that things which are written may be fulfilled. So, again, consider this, that Jesus used the predictions of the Old Testament to, to, be, to have authority, and he knew that they would be fulfilled, all the prophecies, and they were be fulfilled. He refers to people and events as real time, real events, real people actually happen the way it's recorded. Again, so it, let's just kind of wrap this all up here. As we examine the, the, this attitude that the Lord Jesus has toward the Old Testament, we find him viewing it, again, as completely, totally trustworthy. Jesus believed that the people actually existed and the stories literally occurred. He confirmed the historical Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, along with King David and Solomon, the Queen of Sheba, Elisha, Elisha, and Zechariah. And this is all I picked out just for the podcast. Okay? Jesus confirmed that certain Old Testament accounts, including God giving Moses the right of circumcision, giving manna in the wilderness, to King David eating bread of presentation, David as the writer of the Psalms, uh, Moses writing the law, the suffering prophets, again the episode of Lot's wife, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and so on. So again, Jesus confirmed some of the most controversial accounts recorded in the Old Testament. And they include Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the flood in Noah's day, and Jonah and the great sea creature. There is also confirmation by Jesus as the authorship of certain disputed portions of the Old Testament that would be Daniel and Isaiah. And Jesus would quote Daniel as a prophet, and he also cites both sections of Isaiah to say this is Isaiah alone, one Isaiah. Again, finally, Jesus spoke of the Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled, and he assumes that the passages that were cited had the authority 
and needed to be fulfilled. Jesus, again, he never cast any doubt on any part of the Old Testament. On the contrary, he believed everything, and we need to do the same thing as followers of Christ. We need to see, have the same views of the Old Testament that Jesus had. And, you know, a lot of people I've come across say, well, we, we really don't need the New Testament at all. We're a New Testament church. Well, I think through this podcast you can see how tied the New Testament is to the Old. And honestly, listeners, if you don't have the Old Testament, you never know Jesus is coming. You would never know it. But, the entire Old Testament really points to the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus. And that goes clear back uh, to, to, to Genesis. when uh, Jesus is predicted to come, the first prophecy of the Messiah. And that's given uh, right after the fall of Abraham, excuse me, Adam and Eve as they eat the tree, the forbidden fruit. And so I certainly hope uh, this podcast is being helpful. It's a little longer than we normally do, and I'm okay with that. And I appreciate your time that you have taken to listen. I gave a lot of information really quick. I, I know. Uh, be, play this podcast again and, and replay it or, or pause it and make notes. And please share us with your friends and your family and tell them how you found us. And you can go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. And we have a list there of, of the different podcast apps that you can listen to us on. Now, you can't click on any of that and go to it, uh, but you can go to and do a search for us and find us. We're on iHeartRadio, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. The list is quite lengthy. Uh, SoundCloud as well. And so... Many of our listeners are from outside of the United States. Many of our listeners are, are from Asia, in the Middle East, and Europe. And so many of these places, uh, including South Africa and uh, several other countries on the continent of Africa that I'm not going to mention right now, but they, they listen to this podcast. And... I know I had a really nice email comment from somebody within the United States, uh, out of Chicago area, said that, you know, they, they really enjoy the podcast. Notice I don't use a lot of fancy words. Well, there's a reason, because most people listening to this podcast, English is not their first language. Okay, so uh, that's why I try not to use big words and, and different things, and it's not always easy uh, not to do that. But pray for this podcast. Pray that we'll continue to receive the support that we need to, to broadcast this podcast. Please, again, uh, tell others about us. Make sure you hit that like button. Uh, we love the positive comments that we get uh, through the webpage, uh, as well as uh, on different uh, podcasting apps. We get uh, an alert. Somebody's made a mention of us. We, we appreciate that. And please pray for those on the prayer list. Again, thank you. May God bless you. And may He have the glory.